The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Thursday, October 26th, 2017. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pesca. And today is the first day in a while, well, since Tuesday, that CNN's Manu Raju does not have an interview with Tennessee Senator Bob Corker in which Corker goes all ham up on Donald Trump. You remember Tuesday. I think that uh, he's proven himself uh, unable to rise to the occasion. I think many of us, me, me included, have you know tried to you know, I've intervened, I've had private dinner, you know, I've been with him on multiple occasions to try to, you know, create some kind of aspirational uh, uh, approach, if you will, to the way that he conducts himself. But uh, I don't think that that's possible, and um, I, he's obviously not going to, to rise to the occasion as president. And then there was yesterday. I, I don't really care what comes out of the White House, so. Yeah, what do you mean? Well, I mean, it's it's sort of a daily silliness, but... Now, the aspect to these interviews that I found so delightful was that there was no question that Manu Raju could ask that wouldn't get an A-plus solid excoriation of the president. It was like when a little kid is gifted a puppy, wait, wait, let's see what else it could do. There was literally no question that Raju could pose that was going to get less than gold. He could ask the most leading questions in the world in an innocent-sounding voice, and Corker was going to answer and deliver. For instance, Corker went on and on about how untruthful Trump was. Just so untruthful, you can't trust the guy. So Raju asks, Is the president of the United States a liar? It turns out, yes. Yes, he is. And then Raju teed him up with, Do you regret supporting him in the election? It turns out Corker said he wouldn't support Trump again. Similarly, the question, Do you think he's a role model to children in the United States? Found that the answer was, No. You don't. Not that much. And the question... Do you trust him with access to the nuclear codes? That also got a less than full-throated endorsement. And then yesterday, Raju had a couple more follow-ups. I guess just on his mind, things he needed to get to. He began with this. The president also tweeted today that you didn't run for re-election because you had zero chance of winning. Is that true? Did you have zero chance of winning? I, I was in a... Turns out, I don't want to ruin the answer or step on it. Turns out it wasn't true. Aren't you glad Raju asked? After the interview yesterday, I was yearning for a few more cues. Uh, the A's were okay, but I'm really digging the cues. If he had a couple more questions chambered. Uh, just wondering, Senator, if you would weigh in on this. Is Donald Trump a careful, methodical thinker who weighs evidence so as not to act impetuously? Do you have any thoughts on that one? Senator, something that's been bothering me. Donald Trump, would you say credit to our democracy or no? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, one thing, and, and I know your time is limited, Senator, but you raise an interesting point that bears follow-up. Some have said that Donald Trump is going to apply his business acumen to the problems of government. Now, I know you made millions as a businessman. You're in the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga's Entrepreneurial Hall of Fame. So as an expert, can you just give us insight? Would you say Donald Trump's a great businessman who really understands how to achieve things? Would you say that? Now, you've golfed a few times. Am I right about this? Yes. You've golfed with President Trump on occasion. Would you describe his physique as athletic? How about reasonably toned? Uh-huh. Okay. Really. Well, it has been a pleasure. And uh, as part of our exit interview, I'm just going to put you down in the column of Donald Trump is a man of honor, insight, and compassion. Unless I'm wrong about that. Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put words in your mouth.
on the show today. I spiel about the four Bs. There might be more than that, but I got a few Bs for you. But first, the hostesses of a popular and, dare I say, slightly body podcast, Gentlemen We've Known. All right, that's not really the name. It's more like Fellas We've Frolicked With. Oh, can I really say this? It's, uh, it's suitors with whom we've liaised. All right, it's guys we fucked. So I'm now here joined by Corinne and Christina Fisher and Hutchinson, respectively. And we, all of us, are going to talk about the guys we fucked. Now, let me first give a note on language, language and pronouns. They're a funny thing. So when I say the guys we fucked, it's like the time I did a roundtable discussion with uh, Meryl Streep and John Wayne Gacy. And among the three of us, we had 16 Best Actress nominations and 33 murder convictions. You see what I'm saying? I'm trying to make clear that I've not fucked a guy. But apparently you guys have. We couple, couple yeah. of them, couple yeah, under yeah, yeah. our belts, and we, we've talked about them. Is to, it, to li- them. literally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, from what I understand, the impetus for the podcast was literally to talk about that or to interview literally the guys you fucked. Yes, yes. That well, I was, mean, the that, impetus would be my a, a breakup I went through. Right. Yes. You're right. Yeah. And maybe I'm using impetus wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe there were impetuses. Maybe there are more. Yeah. I think there are probably appetite. <laughs> Come on, my God. And it's pro- that would be a good podcast, but I'm glad it wasn't that. Or maybe, you know, we could imagine a past where you did that, got it out of your systems, and then it became the podcast it is now, mm-hmm. which is less personal, but more more everything, more political, more what's going on in the world, more mm-hmm. reactive today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's my question. When did the conception of the podcast, that original idea, fall away? And when it fell away, why'd you keep the name of the show? Uh, I mean, it never fell away. We still do go back from time to time. It's just like we kind of ran out of people who <laughs> were interested to come to the to podcast. Because so it's, it's like, we, A, we have to have fucked them. And then, yes, true. B, they have to want to come on and talk about it. And, you know, I fucked a lot of comics. So they're, they're like, oh, I'll talk about it because it's free promotion. But people who aren't comics, yeah, there's guys. no real benefit. Yeah, and I've been dating the same person for six years. Yeah. So I had to dig back in the past and uh and they're like christina hey what and i'm like you want to come on podcast and they're like no <laughs> why would i do that i have a wife and kids right. why would i do that I'm like, certainly yeah. not for yeah. funny podcast okay bye so but uh, there's three people that i have that i'm still like lightly poking a couple times a year you mean you're like, fucking just, that's what you no, mean oh, no I took no it no wrong. Oh, no I but that poking I see them where, to be on the pot like a face yeah poke. i'm just like hey remember yeah. me i'm here still want to put you on the podcast no okay i'll come back uh <laughs> next fall well now that you're in now that you've got the legitimacy of a bound book behind you, might you oh, get yeah. them on the podcast? I think that would only make them less likely to do the podcast. They don't because they don't <laughs> want because it's really like, well, why would a person who's not a performer yes. and has nothing to promote want to come on and have a, a very open conversation about the sex they had with a girl a long time ago? It's so yeah. funny because I think with a lot of issues, and this is one of them, we're not really on a continuum. We're on a binary. Like, you either really want to do it because you're an amoral, self-promotional comic, or you really don't want to do it because you're a normal human being. Yeah. And there's no, well, there's some good and some We've bad. We've had some normal people yeah. on that I fucked that have, have interviewed. They, they, we changed the name, their name. 
Because yeah. that's not important, you know, and then they're more comfortable being honest. So we have had some normals. What did you learn from those conversations? Um, one guy, I learned that I didn't dump, or he didn't dump me, I dumped him. Uh-huh. That was fun to find out. Wait, did you, okay, so did you just have it wrong in your memory? Or? I, I must have. Well, maybe. It was a long time. It was like th- four years prior. But maybe sometimes you say the same thing and two people hear it differently. It, it, it could have been that, but yeah. I was honestly shocked because he was one of the guys that I, I'll think back on fondly. And he was just a good guy, very good looking great career just i got the whole thing he had all yeah. the stuff going on and i was like why the fuck would i dump you and he's like i don't know but you did I'm like, but you Damn. this you know i'm gonna make this mistake a few times in this interview but you have said on the podcast though that you broke up with a guy who was cheating on you mm-hmm. and the girl showed up at your apartment yeah. but then you also said like Seconds later, you didn't want to break up with him, but you of course yeah. did want to. So maybe something like that. Well, there was just on. like a bu- yeah, because it's like I wasn't ready. I didn't want the relationship to end, but all of a sudden I have this well, news bomb, and I'm like, thrust upon okay, you. well yeah, then yeah. fuck him, I guess. But then at night, I'm like, no, but I'm kind of missing what the fuck, and it was weird. I don't know this weird fi- inner fight in my head. So maybe but, that maybe when you think back on this guy who you were certain that you broke up with, maybe a dynamic like that was going on. Possibly he, that specific person did not cheat on me. The guy that broke the, his name's Adam. We could say it. Uh, he Adam didn't cheat. There was yeah. no cheating on that. Christopher fucking cheated, and he know what he did. Just kidding. That's why probably why he won't come on the podcast because he doesn't want to like <laughs> hear me. You know, give him shit. Yeah, well, what's but in it for I him? think it's hilarious. The subtitle is interesting to me. It's the anti-slut-shaming podcast. Mm-hmm. I know what the concept is. But just in terms, I return to grammar. Calling something anti-slut-shaming, is, isn't that like calling something the non-non-fiction show? I mean, you're defining it as, in opposition to a thing that's already in opposition to something. Aren't we are you, against are, shaming sluts. So wouldn't that be called something like sluts the sex? rule. Okay, the, the pro-slut podcast. Oh, I, okay. Wouldn't it be pro-slut? I see what you're saying. That was just a lot of words for me to compute, and I'm very hungover. But okay, so <laughs> hungover, dude. Oh Once my again, God. understanding the comedian <laughs> lifestyle. So there is a phrase out there for anti-slut shaming, and that is like sex positive. But yeah. you have said often, I don't even know if you explicitly have said this, but I definitely get the idea that as on board as you are with feminism and anti-slut shaming, there's a bit about the language of it that sticks in your craw a little bit. One of you were yeah, saying, like, it's yeah, not funny. It's not funny. It's dry, so, and I can't relate to it, and I roll my eyes. Is sex positive? Does that fall in that category? No, no, That's because okay. I've used it in context of meeting people, and like, it's it's important to me that if somebody is to that to that word to me means that like they're open. Even even if they don't want to try things, even if they're quote vanilla, I don't give a shit. But like, they're able to handle. Uh, you know, entertaining a, a possibility with uh, under the umbrella of sex. The notion—I mean, I agree with the notion of sex positivity, and I've certainly used sex positive many times before because sometimes it's the best thing to describe. And everyone, if you say sex positive, everyone knows what you mean, right? But it does like sex positive, uh, body positive. A lot, that's a lot. Body of, positive. I'm not. Work. I'm not a positive person, and just just like the <laughs> word positive is like, Ugh, like you can't be happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I, I, like, and when someone describes something, like, she's a very positive person it's like she cool. has so much pent-up aggression that when she, she wants goes to murder home, your mother she, yeah. you're so unpositive <laughs> you're so unpositive that you're suspicious of people who claim to be positive oh yes that, that just summed up corinne yes. in a nutshell okay i want to talk about language a little more you've also said that feminism has a humor problem i take that to mean that 
I definitely know that there are some phrases, some really aggressive sociological phrases that stick in your craw mm-hmm. and that aren't that you don't use. I d- don't know that I hear. Maybe you pr- you probably did a whole episode on it, and I just miss it. The phrase "rape culture." Does that phrase work for you? Because you definitely. I never think knew what it meant. True. Okay. I never really knew what it meant, and but then when people explain it to me in a way that I'm like, oh. Okay, that makes sense. Just just with the way that women are treated as like less than, yeah. but there's all these little. A good example of of these types of words are microaggression. Right. That fucking made me roll my goddamn eyes so hard every time I heard it. But then we had this conversation about you know when when you walk around the planet as a woman, right? There's all these little tiny things like some fucking dude that you don't even know on your way to the grocery store will will stop you and go nice tits, something gross. And you're like, oh God. And it doesn't that's, ruin. That's verging on the macro. It's more like a, a Not, look. Or to a... me, that's a micro. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and, that's and how bad things have gotten. That's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah. It's bad that that's a micro, but that, that it <laughs> Once is. Harvey Weinstein's in the world, it's oh, moving down yeah. the list. But I, I hear know. her because to me, like with when, with the Me Too hashtag to yeah. kind of piggyback off what Christina was saying, like the, the my, I, yes, I have been se- sexually assaulted technically because I've had someone on the subway with an erection like rub up against my ass. But to me, that's so common and such like a part of yeah. living in New York. Yeah. You don't I even, was like, I don't even feel comfortable your day. participating in Me Too. And that's so crazy. So to me, a hard so cock on that- my butt is a microaggression. <laughs> I saw somebody that's at a Halloween so party grab her ass, stranger, and I like chased them. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, Christina was so furious and I was like, this happens to me a lot. Yeah. Honestly. But like, but so, so. What are you slapped or a guest slapped a kid on the subway? That was me. That was, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, that's, I wish I was <laughs> there. Slapped a kid oh who grabbed God. you on the subway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> That's so awesome. you're saying that you would feel that if you me too'd, if you hashtag me too'd and wrote, I, I experienced some fraudage on the F train, you would that wouldn't even rise to the level of me too. No, I mean, I wrote a status basically explaining my thoughts on me too. And I was just like, I don't even feel comfortable because women have been through things that are so much more horrific. And then and we hear about them. Yeah, every everyone has day. like st- different stances on that. And they're like, well, don't belittle. I'm not belittle. I'm. I'm honestly, fu- I'm very good. I'm very in touch with my emotions, even though it doesn't seem like I am. And I have experienced no trauma from that happening. So I just didn't feel comfortable when our inbox every day, we have at least one email from someone who was raped. It just didn't feel like, it felt like Me Too was making it like, about, like, Me Too. I tripped once. Me Too. Mm-hmm. But me also. <laughs> but you know, also, at the same, in the same token, if you did, if you were on the New York City subway and you had a guy rub his hard dick against your butt and you felt really fucking weirded out and traumatized by that and you wanted to say that cool yeah like it's like just do what you feel the you other know? right the i mean the other side to that is the argument of you know if we not accept it but don't speak out against stuff like that that's the definition of normalization oh yeah. i mean i elbowed him in in the dick that's how yeah. i i just fixed that right then and there because i'm like how can we i'm not gonna get in a fight with him uh verbally but i think if you elbow someone's yeah, yeah, dick away because they're not gonna point. be like what, did, what was i doing wait i have a couple of very good theses <laughs> about why i did this i think i can argue you off right. your point no i can't right. control when my dick gets hard it's so big mace. yeah you have to understand it's the summer of hell <sighs> 
we were stopped uh, right outside Canal Humidity. Street. Yeah, it was yeah. your mule fall out of direction. Yeah, there's something about swiping the Metro card. I don't know. It just gets me going. I just yeah. love the subway arouses. But, Corrine, you didn't tell me what you thought about rape culture. Uh, Probably because I didn't ask. Uh, no, I'm asking. Rape <laughs> culture does not make me roll my eyes 100% exists. I remember I was on, what's Sharon's podcast? Uh, oh, Race, Race Wars? Wars. Yeah, I was on that years ago. And that's kind of the first time I remember having a conversation about rape culture. And I think it absolutely, I understand and I, yeah. it absolutely exists. Is that what you want to know? Or what was my thoughts beyond I that? Was, I, no, I was, I was talking about. That's not about, an eye one. Right. I was talking about the idea that you think feminism has a uh, sense of humor problem. Right. And that I've heard you talking about phrases that don't work for you. And I find yeah, that rape they're culture works heavily, for me. heavily sociological <laughs> phrases. Yeah. Trigger right. warning. Uh-huh. That's Trigger warning annoying. That's a phrase that it's like. You know, you're saying to the people, to anybody listening to you, like, you might not be able to handle this. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, if we do end up talking about something really brutal, we're going to say, hey, we're going to, we only did this one time. We weren't like, we're going to give a warning. But we were like, hey, we're going to summarize, I'm not even going to read it. We're going to summarize this email because it was, it was the most brutal thing I've ever read. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think people know, it's like when you turn into the Guys We Fuck podcast, just know it's going to, you're going to hear a lot of stuff that you don't like and that upsets you. And you don't need a warning. And also like the psychological. Uh, this like the psychology community has been talking a lot about how they hate that uh, trigger warning has kind of entered the just like regular people talk because uh, it has it has an important meaning and now it like holds less value right. to psychologists. Now that so. it's a punchline, I exactly. Mean, oh yeah, the, I, I bet every time you play or maybe every other time you do a set where one of those where there's like eight comedians on, someone will make a joke about. Trigger oh, warning. I say oh, yeah. I definitely say trigger warning Wait, on stage. I, my boyfriend and I just started couples therapy. And the the last session we had was on Monday and he asked us about like, oh, I see you got triggered. And that was like the psychology use for that (laughs) word. And he was he was really being helpful and and using his tools that he had. But I was like, that's how you use that word. When Mm -hmm. I talk to friends of uh, ours, my girlfriend of mine in couples therapy, they were like, oh, everyone should go. I'm like, really? Even if you're not having a problem? No, if you're not having a problem, who gives a shit? (laughs) We were having a problem. Okay. We were out of problem. That's why we went. But then there's the other phenomenon where every time, like when someone has a kid, they want you to have a kid. When someone goes to couples therapy, they want oh, everyone to Oh, go, yeah. She yeah. was just trying to get you on the bandwagon. I think maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think it could hurt. I think every person individually should be in therapy, no matter if there's a problem with you or not. Only because I think that you can get things off your chest and maybe you didn't even know we're there. Or just get a Twitter account. Yeah, true. Yeah. Just tweet. Then we, <laughs> Smoke we, weed and tweet. Then we're your therapy. Exactly. <laughs> Corrine Fisher and Christina Hutchinson are the women behind the Guys We Fucked podcast. And now the book Fucked, being sexually explorative and self-confident in a world that's screwed. And Corrine and Christina will be, because, you know, they're professional touring comics. They'll be doing the All Things Comedy Festival Saturday, October 28th, interviewing Doug Stanhope. And Thursday, November 9th, as part of the New York Comedy Festival at the Tribeca Performing Arts Center. It is the culmination of the guys we fucked experience. And from what I understand, all the dummies that fall down from the ceiling, you get to keep all the 3D glasses, gather up the confetti. This is the last thing. The props are being auctioned. So you should go to that Thursday, November 9th. Thank you, guys. Thank Thank you. you. And now the spiel. The bees. I'm not going to give you the A material. 
These are all the Bs. The first B is Bannon. The media loves Steve Bannon. He's a Svengali. He's a multi-layered monk. He's two Star Wars characters in one. Jabba and Obi-Wan. Once struck down, he became more powerful than we could possibly imagine. Every Sunday show interviewer has to ask every Republican they have on, do you agree with Bannon? What about what Bannon is saying? Do you fear Bannon? And it makes all the Republicans squirm because they don't like Bannon, but what are they going to say? They want the Bannonites to still vote for them. If you're facing an an all-imperiled re-election bid, you're just not going to want to rip into Bannon. It doesn't do you any good. But you really hate the Bannonites, but you can't say it. You hope they'll be your voters. But I wonder... Isn't the media just playing Bannon's game? Aren't they enabling and emboldening Bannon, elevating him? Does Steve Bannon represent a trend, a wave, a moment? Or is the moment omnipresent? And he's just a latter-day Palin, the one who said, I picked this winner and I picked that winner. Did he create it? Or is he just post hoc, taking a little credit? I won't predict what's going to happen, but I just ask, is it possible that this populist wave is exactly the roiling discontent that's been in the Republican Party ever since we've had ideological sorting? I mean, we have a two-party system. Disaffected nationalists have to go somewhere. So I ask you, interviewer, just because you make an established Republican squirm, ask yourself, was that really a good question? Or are you doing Steve Bannon's bidding? Which brings me to the next B, Bulgarian mutiny. I saw this headline. Bulgarian defense minister reports of mutiny by Air Force pilots exaggerated. Exaggerated. Like, you want the word at the end of that headline to be totally untrue or farcical lie. Tell me how they were exaggerated. Were there 30 pilots involved and not 40? Was it really a mutiny or more of a brainstorming session? Now, here's the news. Here's where the headline comes from. Bulgarian defense minister... Krasimir Karakachanov told a hastily convened news conference on October 24th that reports that Air Force pilots had refused to take off for training flights had been blown out of proportion. Reports in the morning had said the Bulgarian Air Force pilots scheduled for training flights at their base near Plovdiv had refused en masse because of safety concerns and low morale sparked by delays in the acquisition of new fighter jets. The problem was the MiG-29 engines that were supplied by Russia, but not put into use because of questions about the documentation. And the defense minister said the engines would be used once the questions have been resolved. So there you have it. Don't worry, watchers and fans of, dare I say, the Bulgarian Air Force. It's not a mutiny. It's more like a quality control flash mob. Last B, and this is the final B. I'm going to play a sound. I want you to try to guess what it is. A. Bob Corker's criticism of Donald Trump sped up, then downloaded at the wrong speed. B, Boo Boo Bear's Tagalog language song about friendship that briefly charted in the Philippines in the late 70s. Or C, an audio recording of a beluga whale trying to imitate a human. Once more, a little bit of that. Yes, it's C, it's the beluga. I bet to belugas this is hilarious. 
this is just a killer impersonation. Like when English people try to imitate Americans. Did you stop by the Lombard call? Yeah, I come by the train. I played that private by the wrong front line today. Oh, the raising man with the National Marine? That for me, you greet that treason. No, her station is trapped. I mean, why the crest soldier for the Magdalene nation is further grad to my Chosik. Chosik for the Magdalene? Magdalene my shit. <laughs> but I have to say, belugas, this is very offensive. Maybe you mean no harm, but human language is very dear to the human people. Without it, we wouldn't have words for words or beluga or Dallas Keuchel. So just so you know, belugas, there is a word for what you're doing, a word you might not have in your tongue, your tongue located in your gigantic orb-like head, and that word is appropriation. Two words, insensitive appropriation. So cut it out. The people have spoken. And that's it for today's show. Just producer Dan Schrader has one more question about President Trump's generosity. Would you say it's limitless or that it knows no bounds? Mary Wilson, just producer, wonders, Senator Corker, where would you rank President Trump on the list of all presidents? And you can include former Enron President Kenneth Lay. Steve Lichtai is executive producer of Slate Podcast. Just very, very quickly, Senator, would you say Donald Trump is a very moral person or perhaps less than very moral? The gist... Well, we have you for one second. Got to clear something up. Scale of one to 10, one being a quite firm grasp of policy, 10 being policy mastery. Where would you rank Donald Trump? And remember, if you want to deviate from the scale in either directions, feel free to do so. Oomperu, depperu, depperu, and thanks for listening.